0: I get a lot of questions about how to ease perimenopause and menopause symptoms, and here's a really simple answer for you. Take a good mineral supplement. Your body loses a ton of minerals as you transition through perimenopause and menopause, and mineral deficiencies make a lot of the common symptoms worse. For example, if you're struggling with poor sleep, fatigue, joint pain, hot flashes, or any other side effects that are wearing you down, Head over to beamminerals.com and use the code BETTER for 20% off. All right. All right. Welcome back to our next mashup in this end of 2021 series. And this week's mashup is all about fasting. So as you might imagine, last week, we started with our keto mashup with some of our big uh, keto stars that were on the show. And this week we are going back to some of our biggest hits, if you will, for uh, fasting and talking about some of the most common questions. I've been talking about fasting for several years now. And some of the more common questions that I often get are, What breaks a fast? How long should I fast? What are the benefits of fasting? How does that change if I'm fasting for 12 hours or 14 hours or 48 hours or 72 hours? And why is it different for men and women? And of course, uh, if you're watching this on video, you see in the background, I've written a book, my baby, my fourth baby, if you will, uh, The Betty Body. We talk all about fasting and why it's different for women. And in this show, we're going to be going back to some of our, actually some of the most popular episodes uh, of the podcast overall uh, to some of our experts and our conversations around fasting. So you're gonna be hearing from Dave Asprey, Dr. Sarah Godfrey, Dr. Mindy Pels, Dr. Will Cole. And of course, I'm gonna be uh, interluding and ad-libbing as I often do. So we are starting off today with Dave Asprey. Uh, i interviewed him back in, I think it was January, maybe February of this year. And in this clip, we are talking about The most common question that very likely he gets, certainly that I get, what constitutes breaking a fast? There is, depending on who you speak to, there's a lot of varying opinions, we'll call it that. There's different camps uh, that people fall into. It's like the purist camp. And then there's sort of where I fall in, which is a bit more of a nuanced camp based on your fitness, based on your age, based on your sex, etc. And Dave is talking uh, in this clip about three different ways that you can air quotes, break a fast that is not actually breaking a fast. So the first hack, uh, and you'll hear this throughout, I've talked about this as well, uh, some black coffee or espresso, uh, in the morning, very, very good at amping up ketogenic or ketone body production. So it is very ketogenic in its nature. So when we are consuming, let's say, uh, you know, if you're fasted, which is actually what I love to do, uh, and when I work out in the morning, I tend to be fasted, but right 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 before I work out, I am having an espresso. I've talked about this before. I like to go outside with my little espresso in a tank top. If you're watching me on video, you can see I'm recording uh, today's um, episode in a tank top. This is how I like to live, whether it's summer, winter, spring, or fall. I am the tank top aficionado and I will go outside, have my cup of espresso until I'm shivering, if it's in the winter time or in the summer, of course, I'm not cold at all. But uh, have that cup of espresso, get that lipolytic activity happening. So you are training your body when you're having a cup of coffee on an empty stomach to start breaking down triglycerides, which is the fat, uh, which is the unit of storage, if you will, uh, in, in in the uh, adipose tissue. And so that's really great because you are amping up ketogenic production. So if getting into ketosis is a goal for you, or if you want to be burning fat, let's say for a workout, this is a really, really great uh, strategy. Another way that he talks about uh, breaking a fast and something that I've talked about in particular for women is adding some fat to your coffee. So that might be MCT oil. You'll hear Dr. Will Cole later talk about adding ghee uh, to the coffee. And this is really great for a couple of reasons. One, it doesn't jack up your insulin levels, which would constitute breaking a fast. And it, there's also no protein uh, in fat. It's, you know, it's last time I checked, it's fat. So uh, we are mitigating or attenuating uh, the insulinergic response that can come with the consumption of carbohydrates and or excess proteins. And then when you're not having proteins, of course, uh, you are still pulling back uh, growth pathways like mTOR. So your body can still maintain uh, autophagy Although it will be to a lesser extent than if you were to just have black coffee. And so Dave masterfully, masterfully goes on to talk about why we don't want to be shaming and blaming and guilting ourselves if we've had fat. Sometimes, like ladies, we need it. We are much more exquisitely sensitive to caloric restriction. Uh, and we can cause a whole host of hormonal uh derangement. And so uh talks about, you know, his um, you know, company is called Bulletproof. So obviously plug in the bulletproof brand uh, talks a little bit about that. And then talks about uh and then the last one is talking about uh prebiotic fiber. And um didn't want to correct Dave on this, but I have been blogging about resistant starches for many years. Um, but maybe I'm just not you know important enough in his world for him to know. Uh, but you know, he's makes a claim that no one has ever blogged about prebiotics, which are resistant starches, uh, but then goes on to talk about how resistant starches are actually wonderful for gut healing, wonderful for healing uh, intestinal, intestinal permeability and helping with things like sleep. And of course, for women, particularly in perimenopause, we know this to be true, right? We know that sometimes women, we wake up and we're like, God damn it! I can't sleep anymore. So, resistant starch supplementation or prebiotics is an, is another way of saying resistant starches. Um, prebiotics are a way to do that. So, without further delay, please enjoy this clip from the one and only Dave Asprey on what constitutes breaking
1: a fast. How do we make fasting easy, or at least more palatable, if we want to say it that way? There's three fasting hacks that I outline in in fast this way, and some of the hair shirt fasters out there who say, well, the mice only had water, therefore humans can only have water. I'm like, well, mice aren't that smart and they don't have espresso machines. So (laughs) we don't have to do what the mice did because the mice also didn't have a job. They don't have Zoom. They don't have two kids hanging off each arm while they're trying to juggle their life. So it's ridiculous to mimic that because that's all we know works because we saw it in a study. No, I got a million plus people who've done bulletproof stuff with intermittent fasting. It, It works. And we could argue about why it works. There's very clear evidence that you can eat some things during a fast and maintain autophagy, which is one of the magic powers of fasting. It means self eating. And this is when your cells go in and clean up cellular junk or even cells that need to be cleaned up themselves. And, when you do, when you get your body to do this, magic happens and you can have something besides water and make it happen. So our job is to say, how do I get the benefits of autophagy and the metabolic and cognitive benefits, energetic benefits of fasting while feeling the least amount of hunger and suffering and distraction possible? That's what we do during the week. And when we want to go deep on ourselves and our personal homework, we do something different. So here's the three hacks. First one, black coffee. And the reason black coffee works is because coffee is next to God. Okay, just kidding. I
2: mean, it's because
1: <laughs> the amount of caffeine in two small cups of coffee doubles ketone production. And ketones go up, even if you only intermittent fast three times a week, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, they will go up day over day over day, even if you have carbs on the days when you're not, when you're not uh, doing intermittent fasting. And when ketones go up, It turns down ghrelin, which is a hunger hormone, and it turns up CCK, which is the Calvin Klein hormone. uh, Also known (laughs) as the satiety hormone.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm taking that. I love that.
1: (laughs) Well, it took me like two years to remember how to say that, right? Uh, So, but yeah, that's one that makes you feel full. So if a cup of coffee actually it makes you feel a bit more full, a bit less hungry. That was kind of a win. The next hack, like the next level up from there is one I'm well known for. It's Bulletproof coffee. People say, but Dave, there's calories in Bulletproof coffee. How could you do this? And well, here's how. Bulletproof coffee is black coffee, mold tested, grass-fed butter. You can go for anywhere from half a teaspoon or a teaspoon up to a couple of tablespoons if you need that to get through the day. And C8 MCT oil. The Bulletproof brand is Brain Octane Oil, and I made MCT oil famous. And What this combination of things does is really incredible for hunger. When you blend the butter into the coffee, it changes the structure of the water, and your body, when you normally drink a glass of water, it puts the water near your cell membranes and it heats it up, which makes the water change its level of viscosity or thickness. And that's what allows you to fold proteins and make ATP. When you blend a tiny bit of butter in coffee, according to new research at the University of Washington, it changes the structure of the water. You drink it and you can immediately use that water to burn fat, to burn carbs, to make your metabolism work better. It's why the Tibetans drink yak butter tea, which is the spiritual godfather of bulletproof coffee. So the MCT oil that's in there, it quadruples ketone production compared to normal street grade MCT oil or coconut oil. So now all of a sudden, like, wait a minute, I did this in the morning. I got maybe 50 calories, maybe 150 calories, depends on how much of that stuff you put in there. Therefore, I broke my fast, except you had no protein. And we know if you don't eat any protein or amino acids, your autophagy stays on and your insulin levels did not rise at all. In a a study of 300 different breakfasts, Looking at insulin response, the number one breakfast, if you want to call it breakfast, was Bulletproof coffee because it doesn't change insulin at all for people. So now what you've done is you've given your body energy. You've told your body, you know what? You live in a world where there's enough energy, but there's no protein right now and there's no carbohydrate right now. So you got to go in and do autophagy and you've got to regulate your metabolism and you can only burn fat. And telling your body there's you burn fat or nothing, guess what it gets better at doing? It gets better at burning fat. But that morning, you have the... The focus and power and energy of someone who's done a fasting in a cave for two days. After you get through the second day of hunger, the third day you feel amazing. Well, you just did that the first morning, and then the third fasting hack that is missing from the entire world of fasting and altogether, no one's written about this yet. No one's even blogged about it. Is prebiotic fiber, and this is not Metamucil. It's not the the thick fiber. This is fiber that dissolves in water or coffee or tea. It has carbohydrates that cannot be digested by your body. It goes in and it feeds your good gut bacteria. It is shown to make you live longer. It absorbs toxins. And when you put this in, I prefer it in coffee because it dissolves a little bit better, but it has no flavor. Like you can put it in almost anything. You do this and it suppresses hunger and it makes you live longer. And no insulin rise. (laughs) It actually gets turned into short chain fatty acids that become ketones. And you're saying, wait, but I had something besides water that wasn't fasting. No. Fasting means to go without. And you can... Fast from carbs, it's called keto. You can fast from junk food, it's called eating healthier. You can fast from alcohol, it's called abstinence. You can fast from sex, it's another form of abstinence. (laughs) You can fast from all sorts of things. You can fast from hate, which is later in the book, I talk about that. So it's just choosing to go without something that you think you need. And when you put prebiotic fiber into bulletproof coffee, I don't know anyone who can drink that in the morning and not just like, I'm so full, I don't want a donut.
0: All right. Up next, we have Dr. Will Cole, who also released a book earlier this year called Intuitive Fasting. And in this clip, he is talking about, again, what constitutes breaking a fast. And I chose both Dave and Will uh, right beside each other because they essentially say the same thing. So they sort of have this gradient stepwise um. Uh, paradigm in terms of how we can uh, consume foods without breaking a fast. So he first talks, of course, about black coffee and how that's ketogenic in nature. And he relates it back to his program, which is sort of cycling through days uh, or weeks rather, where you're doing longer fasts and shorter fasts. Um, Talks about adding ghee uh, to uh, to the coffee as a next step and cites almost the exact same physiological benefits that Dave does in terms of not impacting insulin, not uh, driving up mTOR because you're not consuming any protein. And of course, for a woman who's in her, you know, any really stage of life, but particularly in those perimenopausal years, who feels like she needs a little bit of extra calories. And this will, you know, oscillate from week to week, depending on where she is in her cycle. Uh, Adding in some fat can really help stabilize, cut off ghrelin, which is the hunger hormone secreted from the stomach, goes up to the appetite regulation center in the brain and wants you to eat. Um, so having some fat in your coffee does not break your fast, according to myself, uh, Dave Asprey, Dr. Will Cole, uh, particularly for women, right? And of course, this is where uh, some of the purists, some of the fasting Puritans will say, no, absolutely. It's calories. It breaks a fast and calories in and calories. out is the only thing that matters. And of course, we know that that's not uh, necessarily true as it relates to women. And when we're trying to heal uh, hormonal dysregulation or not cause, you know, maybe it's not even about healing hormonal uh, dysregulation is about not causing any more hormonal dysregulation or no more hormonal problems, right? So adding some fat to your coffee is a wonderful way for you to stay satiated. And of course, when you are producing ketone bodies as a woman, this is a really wonderful way for you to get that clarity of thought, that focus and that productivity. Um, One of the things I know just from my training in functional neurology is we are about the most... we have the most cognitive capacity somewhere between an hour to three hours after waking. So the, so the mean there would be about two hours after waking. So if you're able to move your body and get some sunlight in the morning, and then, you know, you're, and you're also facilitating the production of ketone bodies in doing so. So maybe you've had your cup of coffee, uh, fasted pre-workout, you move your body and now you are in a deeper state of ketosis potentially than when you first started off. And then you kind of get to your work. Now those Ketone bodies that are going to be a substrate for en- uh, that's going to be a substrate for energetic production in the brain is going to augment your um, your focus, your clarity of thought, your strategic thinking, your th- your planning for the future, all of the things that are actually very important tasks of the prefrontal cortex, which is the area of the brain that is literally right behind the forehead, and it's involved in other things like inhibiting lower brain centers. So having some fat in your coffee uh having some you know augmenting and increasing ketone production uh whether it's just through black coffee or some fat in your coffee is a really great idea and hopefully this puts the nail in the coffin around not this does not break your fast so without further delay enjoy
3: dr will cole so it's a gradient right it's a spectrum too it's not all or nothing if you're and you're never going to get it agreed upon um like full, like a line, the line's never going to be agreed upon within the fasting community, yeah, <laughs> but the party lines are divided. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> the air on the side of, in my opinion, air on the side of, if, if you have nothing with calories in it, or that going to stimulate digestion. That's what I would say. So think water, tea, coffee with nothing in it. That's going to, most people agree on that. Some people will say coffee could raise cortisol levels and I, I'm not worried about that because fasting increases cortisol levels. That's part of the hormesis. That's not a bad thing. Right. Coffee can increase lipolysis and fat burning and it has many other types of catechins and polyphenols and things like that. Same with tea. So I don't really like give much credence on that unless someone's sensitive to caffeine. If someone's like a slow metabolizer of caffeine, if caffeine makes you anxious or heart palpitations, then don't have that. That's not good whether you're fasting or not fasting, but the average person that tolerates, Good quality organic coffee, organic tea, something without calories, I would say that's a great fasting tool. The next step in are th- things that mimic fasting. So adding in the ghee or the MCT oil, where you're getting some extra fuel, you're getting some calories, but it's not going to impact insulin. It's not going to impact. It's going to impact digestion negligibly if you're using just a small amount of it and you're only having one or two cups of it. Uh, and it doesn't have protein, so it's not going to impact mTOR, which is that one pathway that you want to keep a bit lower during your fast because that has to do with a lot of the longevity, the anti disease, the autophagy benefits, the cellular site cellular recycling benefits of fasting. Uh, So that's going to be to me where the line is. And then once you start going into like adding in things with a little bit of protein, whether that's like a collagen powder, or even like almond milk, that has a small amount of protein in it, it's not that it's going to cancel out your fast because calorically, you're not having that much. Uh, So it's still going to be fasting mimicking. But at that point, you're going to be impacting digestion a little bit more and the protein, the pathway of mTOR is a little bit more sensitive to those proteins. So for me, if someone's trying to intermittent fast and get all the benefits, I would want to err on the side of Let's get, keep mTOR lower. Let's be as light on digestion as we can. And let's give the gut as big as big of a break as we can. So I would stick to just the healthy fats because you're only having a tablespoon or so in them or have no, no calories at all and just stick with water, tea, coffee, and electrolytes, obviously, which is basically you could add those to anything. But mainly, most people are adding it to water because the electrolytes like magnesium, sodium, potassium, chloride are going to be um, excreted out of the body during this metabolic building of becoming more metabolically flexible. So you want to make sure you're well hydrated with electrolytes, especially at the beginning of fasting or for those longer fasts.
0: Right. And as you said, it's an oscillating scale. So if you have some, you know, MCT oil or some collagen or something in your coffee, that doesn't mean you failed. It just means that the effects are just going to be a little lighter than what you might have otherwise had with an herbal tea or a black coffee.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And maybe you would use maybe you would lean on the MCT oil and the Ghee on the almost OMAD week, but you probably right. won't need to do it as much on the lighter weeks. So it's it's not something that you always have to depend on, but it's a tool within the toolbox if you want to explore with it.
0: Sodium is an essential nutrient involved in the maintenance of normal cellular balance, the regulation of fluid and electrolytes, and your blood pressure no questions asked, and you don't even need to return the box. Head over to drinklmnt.com forward slash Dr. Estima, that's D-R-I-N-K, com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A, and you will get a free elementt sample pack with any purchase. Next up, we have Dr. Sarah Godfried. One of my favorite podcast interviews, maybe of the year, maybe because she's so beautifully articulate, well-researched, and uh, has a lot of similar um, theories and, pro- and and proposals to uh, female health and well-being um, as I do. And I just—it's such a joy to speak to uh, women who are really making a difference in uh, women's medicine. So, Dr. Sarah here is talking about 14 to 16. hours hour fasts and why those may be in particular for women, why that may be a wonderful choice and going beyond that on a consistent basis, uh, might not be, uh, you know, the best decision. And you'll hear this from a couple of different experts in this mashup that doing, uh, long, uh, long fasts, so greater than 24 hour fasts all the time can certainly be Uh, an issue for women. Now it's of course, um, when you're choosing somewhere between, I like to say choosing somewhere between a 12 and a 16 hour fast, kind of depending on where you are in your cycle, what your mood is, what your stress levels have been, what your sleep has been, you know, how crazy your kids are driving you. Um, that's all of those factors are going to, um, are going to weigh in on how long your fast might be. And Dr. Sarah here is talking about why she has found in her clinical, uh, observation in terms of her pattern recognition, what she sees in her patient populace is the, uh, 14 to 16 hour, uh, fast for women working the best most of the time. The thing about
2: fasting is once again, men have an advantage. So when it comes to fasting, we know that, uh, it can be more stressful for women. So there's some data, for instance, looking at the effect of fasting on growth hormone and it can raise growth hormone pretty high, especially if you do a 24 hour fast or longer. And what I find for most of my patients is that it's a little too stressful to fast for longer. Now, some of them do it under medical supervision and I think that is totally reasonable. I'm a big fan of using a continuous glucose monitor if you want a more extended fast, which I would say is more than 16 to 18 hours. But for, you know, if we just try to make a statement for people who don't want to do a lot of testing or wear a continuous glucose monitor, I would say that fasting for 14 to 16 hours is really what is proven to be the most safe. It's also been shown to be associated with a lower risk of breast cancer. It's what uh, a lot of the longevity experts like Valter Longo recommend in terms of um, the total duration of metabolic rest where you're not eating of aiming for 14 to 16 hours. And here we have
0: Dr. Mindy Pels, another top rated podcast in 2021 on better. And here she is talking about the two different types of fasts. Again, reinforcing Dr. Sarah Godfried, my own position, uh, and what we've been hearing that women and men fast differently. So we are talking here about two different types of fast. She talks about the 16, eight fast or the 16 hour fast. And some of the, um, uh, physiological benefits that happen with that, like growth hormone. Dr. Sarah mentioned dearth, uh, growth hormone as well. And then she talks about longer fasts and when we can be um, and what are some of the physiological responses in the body to that. So she talks about 48 hour fasts and 72 hour fasts and why, uh, you know, fasts like 48 hours are going to increase dopamine production, dopamine sensitivity at the, at the dopamine, at the dopaminergic receptor. And of course, how we can sort of revamp and reboot uh, the immune system with longer fasts, which is, you know, if there's been a through line uh, in the past 20 months, uh, 24 months, 2000 months, I don't know, I don't know what year we're in anymore, but you know, if we think about the pandemic and the health, uh, you know, the health and well-being of both you and your family, obviously having a robust and uh, intelligent and efficient immune system is the way to go. So she talks about uh, white cell augmentation after seven 72-hour fasts here.
4: So the, the first one is intermittent fasting. I think everybody should learn how to intermittent fast. It's 13 to 15 hours without food, um, and it starts to amplify growth hormone. And once growth hormone goes up, it starts to help with fat burning. It can help with um, you know slowing the aging process down. It's a powerful hormone that you don't get after 30. Um, I also think 13 to 15 hours starts to move you into that fat burning energy system and really get you into that ketogenic Uh, energy place and you get more ketones. But if you can continue on at 17 hours, you start to turn on a switch called autophagy. Now, this is like a dimmer switch. It's not like a light switch that you turn on. At 17 hours, it starts to amplify autophagy. And what autophagy is, is that the cells look around and they go, oh my gosh, there's no more food coming in. The blood sugar has been going down for several hours We better become more efficient. And so it looks around and it's like, hey, you know, endoplasmic reticulum, you are not doing your job well. Let me clean you up. Mitochondria, you're a little dysfunctional. Let's get you going a little bit better. There's some bacteria and some viruses in here. Let's kill them and push them out of the cells. Sometimes at 17 hours, the intelligence looks around and says, this cell is going to go rogue, this cell is going to become a cancer cell, I'm going to kill it. And it'll do something called apoptosis, where it'll kill the cell, which is amazing if it's a cancer cell. So all of that happens at 17 now, if you continue and you don't eat, at 24 hours, your intestinal um, gut cells, will the stem cells will reboot. This was a study done out of MIT that showed that you get intestinal cell, stem cells that start surging in your gut at 24 hours. So anybody with any kind of leaky gut or candida or parasites, this is a great fast for you. Then the times kind of continue on at 36 hours, we see people start to really tap into more fat burning at 48. We start to see that you actually, I'm about to do a whole series on YouTube on the 48 hour fast and what it does to dopamine. It actually creates new dopamine receptor sites and it makes the old receptor sites for dopamine more sensitive. And all of that happens at 48. You also start to get more blood flow to your prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain that can make smart, logical decisions and kicks you out of your fight or flight brain. And so I feel like at 48, that's where we see dramatic brain changes. And then at 72 is the white blood cell study that Walter Longo did, reboots the whole immune system. Now, beyond that, we've got dry fasting. We have fast mimicking. We have some other little things that people can do. There's all different styles, but those are kind of the big chunk of what I see um, that works for people. And it's a lot of it is time dependent.
0: And coming back to Dave, uh, my conversation with Dave earlier this year on why fasting for women is different. And I really, really appreciate his approach here. One of the things that we find so often with women is this shame and blame and guilt spiral that we all get into. So for example, if we set out to do a 16 hour fast and our body is just like gnawing and we could eat our arm off at, you know, at hour 13 and we cave and let's say we have our breakfast or whatever we were planning on having. It is so often the case that we're like, God, what's wrong with me? Or like, I'm just the worst. And, you know, we're just like sucker punching ourselves at every uh, opportunity. So Dave here really walks through how women can um, just be a little gentler with ourselves. We don't have to, it's not, it's not weak if we want to break our fast earlier than what we had planned, um, that it takes time to build up your fasting tolerance. Of course, we know this from the literature that it takes at least 12 weeks, a minimum of 12 weeks to become fat adapted. And of course, much longer so than uh, to increase your fasting tolerance. My own personal journey uh, with fasting, I'd probably say that it took me like a good, you know, easily 16 to 18 months uh, to be very proficient uh, with longer fasts. And then of course the discovery that I don't really do well with longer fasts, Uh, whole other story, but I don't really do well uh, with anything over a 72 hour fast. And so I don't really recommend that anymore. I used to like to Think that I was strong like bull and be able to do, <laughs> be able to really just do whatever the guys were doing. Like, oh, he's doing a five day fast. I'll do a five day fast. He's doing a seven day fast. I'll do a seven day fast. And it doesn't really work that way. Learn the hard way. But I share that with you because I want to shorten your learning curve. Uh, if you are looking to increase your fasting tolerance, just be gentle with yourself. Love yourself a little bit. Know that your your ovaries are exquisitely. Uh, sensitive to changes in caloric uh, intake, so if you are fasting for a long period of time, your ovaries are going to freak out, and they're going to tell your brain, you know what? Maybe she's overwhelmed. This maybe we don't. Maybe we shouldn't ovulate this month. Maybe maybe this is not a good time. That she if she get if she were to fall pregnant, there's not enough food around here, and of course that's irrespective of your desire, you know whether or not you want to get pregnant. Different story. That's what your ovaries are working for every day, and that brain ovarian axis. Your ovaries are going to send a signal to your brain to shut her down. And when I say her, I mean your menstrual cycle. So let's just be a little bit more forgiving with ourselves. Let's just be a little bit more loving. You know, if you want to break your fast early, that's okay. You can do it. And if you want to do a longer fast and you're feeling good, and we'll talk about this in the next clip, you can also do that as well, but there's no shame in cutting out Early, So without further delay, here is Dave Asprey on how to break the shame and blame and guilt cycle for fasting if you are a woman.
1: If you do fasting every single day, you'll get that level of stress, right? You don't need to do that. And so my recommendation for women, especially around perimenopause, is three or four times a week. you can do a 16 hour fast. You can do a 14 hour if that's what works for you. But if you do it and you find, wow, I'm dizzy and I got a migraine, you overdid it and you need to back off a little bit. Right. right? And it's okay. There is no failure. And if you're saying, I I told myself I was going to do 18 hours today, but I, I don't feel that good. And I tried pushing through last time and it didn't work. So today, 16 hours is right for me. And there's no moral failing in saying, I'm going to choose to end my fast sooner. I used to think, Look, if I, you know, if I do something I said I wasn't going to do nutritionally, whether it's eat the cookie that's been screaming at me all afternoon or something else, like it's because I'm a bad person. It's because I'm weak. And fasting shows you it's not that way at all. It's that my body thought I was going to die if I didn't do it. And it lowered the energy I had until I ran out of willpower and then I ate. And what you do with the practice of intermittent fasting, but not every day, is you teach your body to make so much energy that you don't feel like you're going to die when there's no food. And that you have more than enough energy to maintain your willpower and to not even think about food. And it takes time. And that's why you start slowly as a woman. And you say, oh, maybe I am going to work my way up to more regular fasting. But as soon as you see the warning signs, have breakfast, just make it a good breakfast. And and it's okay. There's no shame in eating anything. And lastly, we
0: come back to Dr. Mindy, who builds on Dave's comments around um, why fasting is different for women. And in this clip, she's referencing a conversation between Dr. Mark Hyman and Dave Asprey. So there was, I guess there was a podcast that they had done together and I was getting tagged on Instagram, like hundreds of tags. Like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And I would, in those tags, I would see both my name being tagged and Dr. Mindy's name being tagged. Like Dr. Mindy says it this way. And Dr. Stephanie says it this way. Like, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? What do you guys think? So you'll hear her reference that conversation that Dr. Hyman and Dave Asprey were having around fasting for women and Mindy builds on it. So in the last clip you heard Dave talking about sort of breaking the Energetic cords around feeling really shameful and feeling really guilty, and here Mindy is expanding on this and talking about women who in their who are in their reproductive. Years and uh, including perimenopause, how we can adjust our aggressive fasts with our menstrual cycle. And I talk a lot about this in the Betty Body, where in the follicular phase, the first two weeks of your menstrual cycle, so that, you know, let's call your menstrual cycle 29 or 30 days, the first half of that essentially, much more resilient to aggressive fasts. So if you're going to do something longer than a 16 hour fast, longer than a 20 Far hour fast, this is the time for you to do it because we don't have progesterone in the mix. Um, so it's much easier for us to withstand sort of a, a, a calorically restricted model or something like a fasting mimetic, even like a ketogenic diet uh, in this time. So Mindy in this clip breaks down sort of follicular and luteal phase uh, fasting preferences uh, with, of course, luteal phase uh, fasting can be more aggressive if you so choose And that you, you know, and there's also an asterisk there, um, hoping that you have built up your fasting tolerance and you're not starving so much that you could eat your arm off. And then we talk about post ovulatory. So this luteal phase, Um, maybe we don't want to do a three hour, a three day fast during this time. Maybe we want to kind of pull it back. We want to get back to that 14 hour Maybe 16 hour. You know, in my case, it's usually 12 hour. I can't do anything longer than a 12 hour fast. I have found uh, in my luteal phase, particularly, goodness gracious, in week four, like I could eat my arm off, and I'm so hungry in week four. Generally, I'm generally always hungry, uh, but I would say in week four, I definitely notice. Um, I definitely notice my metabolism is faster. I have a my hunger is peaked uh, in that fourth week right before bleed week. So I usually will just fast for you know, 12 hours. Uh, sometimes, sometimes it might be shorter than that, but it's usually about 12 hours for me. So here is Dr. Pell's talking about fasting for women based on your menstrual cycle.
4: Is that we're not meant, to, once you learn to fast, we're not meant to be one meal a day people all the time. It doesn't matter men or woman, but Women, especially, we are not meant to be one meal a day people. It, it, there are times during your cycle, and we'll talk about that in a moment, where that will be fine. And there's times during your cycle where that is not meant to be fine. Women, even more than men, are programmed for this metabolic switching. So that's the first thing. The second thing, and this was my kind of my beef that you and I talked about with the Mark Hyman podcast, is that we don't want to be left out of the conversation. I don't wanna to be told once I learn how to fast and I start dropping weight and my mental clarity goes up and I'm like feeling happier than ever. I don't wanna to be told, we'll stop fasting. You should only fast a little bit. And that's what I feel like that conversation was. At least they were saying women need to do it different, but they were like, women need to not fast sometimes and then they can go in and fast. Let's get more concrete than that. Let's give women better examples of that. When, if you have a cycle day one to about day 10, day 11, that's really the time you can do any fast you want. If you want to go on a three day water fast, which I encourage you to try at some point, if that's your jam, do it at that point. It's phenomenal. As you move into to ovulation, into day 11, day 12, you know, everybody's ovulating at different times. Your hormones are at their peak. I personally don't think, you know, a 13 to 15 hour fast is fine, but I wouldn't throw a three day water fast in there. I wouldn't throw a 48 hour fast. I would stick to something 15 hours-ish around in there during that time period. Then when you come out of ovulation, if you look at a cycle chart, your hormones go crashing down again. You have a low point in your hormonal profile. So you can if you wanna throw a longer fast in there, Awesome. That would be a great time. There's about a five-day period. But as this is the clincher, as we get closer to uh, progesterone building time, day 19 some women it's going to be day 18 we got to start to slowly step out of fasting and it's you can this is where it's got to be personal to you i can give you sort of general ideas but you're going to have to experiment and see what works for you but typically i think keeping it under 13 hours or you know doing a typical 10 hours might have been what you did before that would be fine and then lean into more progesterone building fits. so I like women to look at it on a monthly cycle, not necessarily a weekly cycle. And what I found in that conversation, and even um, at a conversation with uh, Dr. Stephen Gundry came on my podcast yesterday, and he was saying that he likes to have people fast Monday through Friday and take the weekends off. I think that's great for a postmenopausal woman, but as long as you have a cycle, you need to be mapping your fast to your cycle. And finally, because Mindy is such a, an
0: incredible resource on
4: fasting. Here
0: she is talking about fasting for menopause. And this is again, another category of women. When we talk about perimenopause and menopause, it's like, we're forgotten about, right? It's like, well, you're past your prime. So just kind of go and shrivel up in some corner and uh, you know, we'll see you when you become a grandma or something. So uh, she talks about how we can, based on our hormonal uh, tendencies and preferences, how we can apply fasting in a menopausal model so that we can continue to reap some of the benefits like autophagy and cellular spring cleaning. Even more important in menopausal women, I would argue, than in uh, perimenopausal or younger, because we the as we age, that cellular over uh, overture, that you know that um, uh, cellular cleaning process gets slower and slower and slower. So we need tools like fasting, and this is why scrubs, sugar scrubs for our skin is so important too, right? Because our skin is not sloughing off as fast as it once did. Uh, And so, you know, we, I like to look at fasting and menopause as like the sugar scrub for your face. It's like the sugar scrub for your cells, right? You're kind of getting rid of sort of dead bits of cellular and, you know, cellular debris, like pieces of nucleotide and mitochondria that are not functioning the way that they should. So you get this mitophagy and autophagy across the board when you are doing things like fasting. Uh, It is not the only way that we can do that. You know, resistance training is another way that we can induce mitophagy and autophagy. That's not often talked about, but that's why another reason why I am such a massive fan for resistance training uh, in your perimenopausal and menopausal years. And like gold star extra bonus points, if you do it fasted, because now you're getting double, you're getting the mitophagy and autophagy f- that comes from the resistance training that your body will get rid of, uh, you know, muscle fibers that are not, uh, that are weak, that we need to build back stronger. And then we're doing it on a cellular level with the fasting as well. So here is Dr. Mindy talking about her model for menopausal fasting.
4: So I I look at menopause as three categories. I look at perimenopause, the transition of menopause, and then postmenopause. So just so we're, people understand my lingo of where I'm at, um, to me, perimenopause is where your hormones are already—they're going crazy. You're noticing changes, but you have a fairly regular cycle, and that cycle may appear to be doing different things. So it might be longer than normal, might be a little bit shorter, but for the most part, it's pretty clear. It's still coming to you every 28. 35 days whatever it is i look at men the menopause transition is where now we're missing a month maybe we're missing three months and everything's kind of crazy and you're like am i going into menopause am i not like i've missed it and then when it comes now it comes every couple of weeks like for me that's where i look at menopause and then post menopause is i haven't had a i haven't had a period in over a year maybe a decade that middle menopause time is challenging to do what we're talking about because you really do not know when your period is coming and going. So this is what I recommend, a and I, I think all women over 40 should get a hormone test. I'm a, I'm a fan of the Dutch test. I think you should know where your hormones are at. So that will be helpful. But B, let's get to know your hormone symptoms. So if like I started tracking on a clue app, my, my cycle at 45 for like the first time ever, I, and I was laughing because I'm like, I feel like I'm going to find all the the 25 year old women are trying to get pregnant, are going to be like, you know, they're on the app trying to figure it out. And I'm trying to figure out how to time my fast to my cycle. So I, I track it on a clue app and then I look for symptoms. So if I if it's about day 20 and I'm like, I'm irritable, um, I'm spotting and like all of a sudden I spot. And then nothing happens for a week, which that happened a lot for me in my late forties. Then I'm like, okay, I, and, um, oh, I don't sleep well the week before my cycle. I think, and actually I've been tracking it on my whoop. I think a lot of women don't sleep well the week before their cycle. And so I go into full, I am going to build progesterone. And that's when I switch out of fasting and I go and switch out of keto and go more carb. And then once my cycle comes, I really then go, okay, now let's get insulin sensitive. And I more cardio, more fasting, more keto, and I start to go into it that way. So I use my symptoms to kind of guide me a little bit more. If you're postmenopausal, you can do this on a weekly basis. You can do it on a monthly. Like it's really up to you. You have a lot more flexibility. But unlike a, a man who's 55 or 60, you've got to make sure that you throw in some of these what I call hormone building days once a week, a couple of times a month. You need to step out of keto and you need to make yourself some progesterone and really make sure that you're not staying too keto, too much fasting and getting caught in that cycle.